0: and welcome to another episode of the Our Foundations podcast. My name is Joshua, I am your host, and today's episode will be a slight change in plans from what I mentioned last time. Today's episode will be on the light versus the darkness, and this will be from the perspective of likely what the early church would have viewed these things as and the lens that they would have viewed them through and some of the actions that they took in regard to these subjects that we'll be talking about. And so I, I was planning on talking about agorism, and that will be probably the next episode. But this subject really is a good bridge between the two aspects, between the natural order and agorism. So I was actually writing the, the book that I am writing. I just finished the section on the natural order, and then it went straight to agorism. It felt like an abrupt... Uh, turnaround, and I didn't think that that really fit very well, and as I thought about it a little more, I thought that there was this connecting aspect of using that symbolism from the natural order framework and laying out some of those natural order principles, but applying those to how we operate in the world that we live in, especially within the systems of our society And that is what I want to focus on today, which will then bridge us very well into the concept of agorism and applying that from the perspective of the historical early church and kind of some examples of how they operated in a very agorist manner and how that can relate to how we can handle the relationships between us and the systems that we live with. So, as a reminder and the normal disclaimer, if you are new to this podcast, go back to at least the beginning of Season 3. Better yet, go back to Episode 111. That would be a good starting point if you need to be recent. Better than that, go back to the end of Season 2 and do that whole interim period before getting into Season 3. And even better than that, go back to Episode 1. That is the ideal, that you listen to this podcast in its entirety, all the way through, and the content builds on itself. For example, I have talked about agorism before, but this will be building on that concept, going a little deeper, using some historical examples, these types of things, and so if you're coming in fresh and unfamiliar with some of these topics, then it might not really sink in quite as well you might not get as much out of it as if you would have laid that foundation along the way so that's my recommendation at least so I'd like to start off with a little bit of kind of a recap of where we left off and getting into this idea of the light in the natural order framework there were two main ways of looking at the natural order and both are within the natural order that we see the order of our reality Basically, how our reality is structured, all of the universe, everything that we can see, everything that we can scientifically try to understand and experiment with, things that we can even meditate on or understand from a spiritual perspective, all of these things are a part of our reality. They're a part of this natural order, but we do see that there are some principles of the natural order, and these would be the overriding principles, the most important principles, and the ones that typically dominate our reality. And these would be the light side principles. These would be things like life, love, sacrifice, cycles, progression, and causality, as well as order and differentiation and meaning. These are very important aspects of our reality. This is the fundamental foundation of how our reality operates, but we do see that there are some other principles that do exist in our reality that are not as positive as these others. So these would be the dark side principles, the principles of death, predation, and chaos. These would be perversions of the light side principles— And while they do exist in our reality, they are far from the ideal of our reality. The ideal is the light side of the natural order. But there are these perversions of the light side principles, and that would be the dark side principles. If you remember back a few episodes ago, still within season three, it's not that long ago, I talked about the idea of idealism, and especially idealism and anarchy, and kind of applying those different things through the lens of an early church perspective. Well, one of the main points of that episode is that we are to always seek the ideal, even though that is not the reality. And in doing so, we can better the reality that we live in. And Even though we know we are going to stray from the ideal, we are not going to completely reach the ideal, we should always be striving for the ideal. And the same applies here with the natural order. Well, of course it does. So what we strive for, what the ideal is, is the light side of the natural order. We strive for the light. And in opposition to the light, in perversion of the light, we have the darkness. And we try to avoid things that are dark while we actively seek after things that are in the light. And not only that, we try to be the light, we try to be one with the light, we try to shine the light for other people. So we are supposed to seek this ideal of the light side of the natural order Even though we know that the dark side exists, sometimes we operate with it, we live in a world that has these two opposing components, but between the two, we are to always seek the light. Here's one way to think about it. If the world were perfect, then life would never be overtaken by death. All things would be clear and visible and safe. Minds would be open to full wisdom and understanding. And these are the ideals of the symbolism of light. And I talked about that symbolism, I believe, in the previous episode of what light represents. Things like life and vision and enlightenment. Now, all of these things would be all that exists in a perfect world. But we do see that our world is not perfect. There is both light and there is darkness. They both exist in our world. Now, we do have free will. Thus, there is always the option between these two mutually exclusive choices. That is what free will is, is an option to choose between two mutually exclusive choices. Now, from a human perspective, A perfect world would have all humans living in love and harmony, all in line with the light side of the natural order, serving God and serving one another, and all out of a free will choice to do so. People would not be forced into doing this. In a perfect world, everybody would choose to do so voluntarily. Now, in order for this free will choice to even be possible— the option to pursue the opposite must exist as well. You have to have that because by definition, that is free will. You have to have a choice between two mutually exclusive options. So this is the stage that we are currently in, in our reality, the world that we live in. Humans make their choice to follow the light or the dark. And in doing so, they stake their free will decision That is a decision that they have the free will to make. And once all humans have done so, and whatever criteria God has set forth has been achieved, then those in line with the light will exist together, and those in line with darkness will be separated and will be in their own fate. Now, between the two, we are going to focus on the ideal, on the light, So the idea here is that if you run the scenario through the way that I have laid it out, then you end up with a world that is perfect. You end up with a world of only... People that have made the free will choice to fall in line with the light side of the natural order. They voluntarily made this decision. They will then be living in love and harmony and in line with the light side of the natural order. And they have proven so by making their own free will choice to do so through their actions and through their fruit, we can see for sure that that is the decision they have made. If you could read their minds, then that might be another good clue. And if we are looking from a biblical perspective, we would say that God does have the ability to judge men's hearts and men's minds, uh, men being humans of all Genders. And so with that being the case, it should be fairly clear to see that the only way to have a perfect world is to also have this state that we are in today in our current reality, because a perfect world consists of free will and Everything making the free will choice to be in line with the light side of the natural order. And again, the only way for that to play out is if you have two opposing mutually exclusive options and then you separate those two groups and the group in line with the light side, they would then have the ability potentially to to live in a way that we would consider in line with a perfect and ideal world. Now, according to the biblical perspective, there is some more change that does need to occur. You aren't just going to be able to live in complete love and peace and harmony with the mind and the body that you have right now, your current human state. So according to the biblical perspective, there will be a change. We will have a new body, our minds will be renewed, and we will be actually able to follow these ideals. Whereas right now, in a more corrupted state, in a state where we can make that choice between the two, and there are times that we will fail to follow the ideal and choose the dark side out of our own free will— If we overall decide that we are going to be in line with the light side, and our actions and our fruit prove that, and that is the free will choice that we make overall with our lives, then the biblical perspective is that... In the end time, we will have a new heaven, a new earth, with new bodies and new minds, and things will be new. And that is this ideal of the perfect world, the ideal that we always strive for, even though we're never going to reach it in our current reality. Our current reality is the reality that I have mentioned of having both light and dark. It is a world with vast gray realms. It's a world that is not always friendly to following the light and does not always submit to the principles of light. But again, even so, we are called to do so. We are still called to submit to and to follow the light side of the natural order. But not only this, we are called to withdraw from the darkness. We disassociate from people, actions, institutions, all of these things that are in line with the dark side of the natural order. And this is where I would conflict with a lot of other people in this Space, I guess you could say loosely, the space of people that are more freedom-minded, people that are libertarian, or anarchist, or voluntarist, or agorists, or whatever. A lot of them do believe that the method that is most realistic and most promising is to use some of these things that are in line with the dark side in order to get closer to having a world that is more in line with the light side. And I will say that for this season, for season three of this podcast, our example is the early church, and according to the early church, which then would bring you back to according to biblical principles, that is the main thing, according to biblical principles, we are not to use the darkness in order to try to get more light. And uh, even just that symbolism, that kind of makes a lot of sense. So even though from a Machiavellian point of view, there are ways to use power to achieve more freedom, the biblical principle and what we see from the early church and what we are told according to this wisdom is that that is not the path to take. That will definitely take us to the question that I don't think I'm going to answer quite yet, but the obvious question then is, well, is there another path and is that path realistic? Is that path something that could actually happen? And what are the probabilities of following that path versus taking the more Machiavellian approach? And that is a question that I will be answering probably in the next episode, but who knows? I might get to it here. But the point is that the path that I will be speaking of and the path that you find in the example of the early church, that was very successful, and the path that you find according to biblical principles and according to the scriptures and the teachings of Yeshua, that is all the path of the light. It is one that is separate From the darkness and dispelling the darkness. So let me read. A few, well, I've got a few different verses, I guess, three different verses that I want to read, and I'll probably split them up, make that four verses, and I'll probably do them one at a time and give just a little bit of commentary in relation to this subject that we're talking about here. The first verse comes from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. This would be Yeshua who is teaching, and this would be found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. It says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Likewise, when people light a lamp, they don't cover it with a bowl, but put it on a lampstand, so that it shines for everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people, so that they may see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. So that is one of the Early teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, if you've heard of the idea of being salt and light, that's where this comes from. The idea of a city on a hill, and there's lots of symbolism that has been used and laid out and commented on and so on and so forth. But I would like to focus on the ways that this can give us some more depth to this idea of living in line with the light, in line with the light side of the natural order. So this is saying that you are the light for the world. So that is the meaning Of being a human being meaning being one of the principles of the light side so our meaning our purpose or part of that purpose at least is to be a light for the world we are to represent the light side of the natural world for the world and it's not just that we do it in the world for ourselves it is that we do it for the world itself we are doing a service for others and the point about a town built on a hill cannot be hidden, the, the point is then drawn out in that next section of likewise when people light a lamp, they don't cover it with a bowl but put it on a lampstand so that it shines for everyone in the house. The whole point is that light is meant to be seen. That is its purpose. A town that's built on a hill is not meant to be hidden. That is not its purpose. That's not its meaning. You don't put a town on top of a hill if you're trying to hide it. That doesn't make any sense. Likewise, you don't take a light, you don't take a lamp, you don't take a flashlight, you don't take anything like that, and then just cover it up with a bowl and have that laying on your counter. Like That doesn't make any sense if you have a light and you turn that light on or you you know use fire, depending on your time frame and what you're using. If you light that fire, you light that light, then you shine it for everyone in the house, for everyone to see, because that is the whole purpose of light. That is its meaning. That is its purpose. So again, going back to these light side principles, the meaning of being a human being within our reality is to be this light for the world. Even if we are living in line with the light side of the natural order, and that is our own personal morality and our own decisions and our own head, that's how our own mind works, even if that's what we do, but we cover that up, we keep that hidden, and we do not let that shine to others in the world, then that is a perversion of our meaning. And going back to the dark side principles, that would be in line with the principle of chaos and with deceit. It is a perversion. So instead of things following their natural purpose, things living out their true meaning— you have, instead of that order, you have chaos. You have things that are acting and living outside of their purpose and meaning, and even contrary to their purpose and meaning. And there is an aspect of deceit involved here, where there is a lie being told about the meaning of the thing. So if the thing, you know, if the person is not living up to this purpose of being a light for the world, of being in line with the light side of the natural order, then what they are representing, the darkness, that is a lie. That is not the meaning of being a human being in this world, in our reality. Our meaning and our purpose is to be light. It is not to be darkness. And so there is an aspect of deceit going on here. Now, The final part of this section of verses says in the same way, let your light shine before people so that they may see the good things you do and praise your father in heaven. So the idea here is that, yes, your job is to be the light. Your job is to shine for the world. You are to represent these light side principles to everyone else around you. That is your meaning. That is your purpose. That is what you are to do. But it gets a little more specific here where it says, so that they may see the good things you do. And so the point is that you have fruit, you have action, you are making choices and taking action that is clearly seen by other people around you. Again, you are the light for the world. And they see this through the good things that you do. They can't read your mind. People don't read other people's minds. People might think they know what other people are thinking, and sometimes they may be right. But the real way to know what a person truly believes and what they are truly loyal to and dedicated to is by looking at the fruit of their lives, is by looking at their actions. You can look at human action to determine what people's preferences are. So if you go back to maybe two episodes ago, I talked about that aspect of getting into free will and using the human action argument of because humans act, that shows that there are preferences, because there are preferences and you can choose between multiple ones, that shows that there is free will and I laid that out much more clearly, and in a more deliberate way. But the point is that by looking at actions, you can then go backwards on kind of that structure and that, algorithm, so to say, and reach the source of what that means, what that action means. So is that action in line with the light side or is it in line with the dark side? And so it's the good things that you do. It's not just one thing. It's not just that you do one good thing or one bad thing, and therefore that is what you are and that is what you represent. It's the good things that you do because you are this light that is always shining. You're a city on a hill. You're not this tent that got put up in the night and it's going to be gone in a few days. You're an actual town that is built on a hill in a solid, permanent way. And so in the same way, the good things that you do, your actions are things that are not temporary. They're not one at a time. So to say, they should not be taken out of context and taken in isolation your fruit, your life should be taken more in a macro perspective of what your actions as a whole point to. And the other point here is that it says, so that they may see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. So again, from the early church's perspective, from a biblical point of view, the idea here is that when people see these good things that are coming from you, when they see that you truly represent the light, then they praise God, then they look to God. And the reason for that, and this is the important part for our application here, is that When people see you doing good things and performing good actions, then they know that there is a reason for that. There is meaning to it. Again, a very basic principle of our whole natural order of our reality is that there is meaning. And so people see that, hey, there are good things being done here. There is good, positive fruit in this person's life, and there is a reason for that. They're not just randomly making these decisions and out of luck getting this good fruit in their life. No, there is meaning to it. There is a reason why they make these decisions. There is a reason why this is something that is benefiting them in one way or another. And it may not necessarily be financially or from a perspective of freedom. It might be from a perspective of joy and contentment. Like Paul in jail, where he is locked up, and yet he says that he has joy. He sings songs of praise, and he is he's joyful, even though we would say from a human perspective, like, that's not a good place to be. You don't want to be locked up in jail. But more importantly is that he has found joy despite his position and where he is in reality at that point in time. And that is a more important thing. And there is a reason for that. There is meaning for that. And that is the whole point of how people will see the good things and praise your Father in heaven. It's that these good things have meaning, and they will go to that meaning. It's not that you will do good things and have good fruit in your life, and then you're going to have a bunch of followers, and everybody's going to think you're really cool, and they're all going to want to be with you, and they're all going to want to do what you do. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that... People will see these good things you do and look for that meaning behind it. Look for why you do these things. Why does it work out this way? Why do you do this instead of that? What is this framework that you are living for? What is the light? And that is our purpose, our meaning In the world is to be that light for the world. The next verse that I want to get to is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 17. And I'll just go ahead and read that whole section. So it says, For you used to be darkness, but now, united with the Lord, you are light. Live like children of the light, for the fruit of the light is in every kind of goodness, rightness, and truth. Try to determine what will please the Lord. Have nothing to do with the deeds produced by darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things these people do in secret. But everything exposed to the light is revealed clearly for what it is, since anything revealed is a light. This is why it says, and this is a quote of the Old Testament, Get up, sleeper, arise from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. Therefore... Pay careful attention to how you conduct your life. Live wisely, not unwisely. Use your time well, for these are evil days. So don't be foolish, but try to understand what the will of the Lord is. So there's obviously quite a bit that we can pull out of that. The Uh, I guess kind of the first part is that you used to be darkness, but now, united with the Lord, you are light. And so it's this whole play on things where, you know, and it does this throughout this section of verses, where we are in a world with darkness and with light. And there are times that we are a part of darkness, and there are times that we are a part of light. And what this is saying is that before You have made your free will choice to follow the light and be in line with the light side of the natural order, be it united with the Lord, is the phrase that is used here. Before this, you used to be darkness. So before you had this meaning in your life and you followed the true meaning of why you are here in this world, in this reality, before that, you were in darkness. But now you are light. And there is a point to this, that you should live like children of light, for the fruit of the light is in every kind of goodness, rightness, and truth. So this is kind of the whole point, is that if you're in line with the light side of the natural order, you're in line with goodness, with rightness, and with truth. You know, truth being the whole point of meaning and being the opposite of that dark side principle of deceit and perversion of meaning. And so this is really talking about the same stuff here. Now, There's more to it. It's not just that you are the light. We already covered that in the previous section of verses, but there is more to it here. The next section is to have nothing to do with the deeds produced by darkness. So it's not only that you make your free will choice to follow the light side, but also you make a deliberate choice and you are intentional in avoiding actions that are produced by darkness so if there are things being done that are in line with the dark side of the natural order it's not just that you don't do them it's that you don't have anything to do with them you uh, you space yourself from those things and there's even more to that it says but instead expose them For it is shameful even to speak of the things these people do in secret. So that is your job as light, which makes perfect sense when you look at the symbolism. If there is darkness and you have a light, and you come towards that darkness with the light, the light doesn't become part of the darkness. It doesn't dim as it goes further into the darkness. No, what it does is it reveals things in the darkness. It exposes them, and that is just what light does. That's how things operate. And so that is what we are supposed to do. We are supposed to call out these aspects of The dark side of the natural order and it says everything exposed to the light is revealed clearly for what it is since anything revealed is a light and so as we expose these things as we call them out for what they are as we say no this is darkness I am someone who is going to follow the light And not only am I going to follow it, I'm going to avoid anything that has to do with darkness and I will call it out for what it is and I will expose it. I'm not just going to be silent. I'm not just going to hide it within myself and hide these things. I am a light for the world to reveal these aspects of light and of dark. So the final conclusion of these verses is, Therefore, pay careful attention to how you conduct your life. Live wisely, not unwisely. Use your time well, for these are evil days. Don't be foolish, but try to understand what the will of the Lord is. And so it's a call to action. It's this idea, like we talked about earlier, of the point is not to just live these things in your head. It's not that you just believe that the light side of the natural order is a good thing, and that's what we should follow. That's our ideal. And, you know, as I think about things in my head, that's the direction that I'm going to take. No, that's, that's not the point. The point is that you, you pay attention. You pay careful attention to how you conduct your life. You live wisely. You use your time well. You don't be foolish. You try to understand what the will of the Lord is. So you try to learn more about what is the light and how should I conduct my life to be in line with the light. And this has to do with wisdom to live wisely. I I think I talked about this a little bit getting into Greek philosophy in earlier episodes about uh, this aspect of wisdom. That's something that the Greeks were really big on defining, as well as a few other terms. But wisdom was one of the really big ones. And one of the ways that this is often explained is that you have data, you have information, and that's one level. But you have to go a step further and say that you have understanding, in order to make use of the said information. And to take it a step further, you have to have wisdom to know how to apply that understanding and how that understanding does apply in its proper context. And this also goes back to something else that I have talked about many, many times throughout this podcast, and that would be the trivium, the grammar, logic, and rhetoric. The grammar is the information, the logic would be understanding, and rhetoric would be wisdom. And wisdom is what we need to seek, and that is something that you have to actively seek. And in order to do so, you have to have the grammar. You've got to have the information. You've got to have the logic. You've got to understand how this information interacts with itself, How where the connections are. You have to be able to draw those lines and really understand How things really work. How does the world really work? That's actually one of the points of this podcast as a whole. And so hopefully, if you've gone through all the seasons, you should have a much better grasp on this aspect of understanding. But there's even more to that. There has to be wisdom. Not only be wise, live wisely. So it's this aspect of action. It has to do with how you conduct your life. This is the bridge that I was talking about to the episode on agorism, Agorism is all about action. The symbol for agorism is A to the third power, and that represents the agora. Anarchy and action, those are the three A's. And so the point here is that it is an ideology of action, and that is also the point of these verses we're talking about when you actually get into what does it really mean to be the light. Now, I'm going to get into the next verse that kind of takes us into this interplay of the light and the darkness. This comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 13. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. The point of this, and it might be slightly hidden, especially in those first few verses, it's talking about leaven in a loaf of bread. And so leaven is what causes the loaf of bread to rise, where you have the dough that's really flat and it's pretty small, you put it in a pan, it just takes up an inch or so. But once you bake it, the leaven in it is that rising agent so that the bread then fills up the whole pan, becomes bigger, and it expands. And so what it talks about is that just having a little bit of leaven in there, it leavens the whole lump of dough. It leavens the whole uh, bread, the whole loaf. And so if you want unleavened bread, then you can't have any leaven in it. It's not that you just want a little bit of leaven. No, you don't do any leaven because that is the whole point of what leaven does. And you are supposed to be unleavened bread. That is another aspect of symbolism that I'm not really going to totally get into. There's a reference to the Passover and they ate unleavened bread there and that's also a part of that symbolism. But uh, the the point here get, he gets to it after that where he says, let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So the idea here, and if you think about the framework for the natural order, the light side principles and the dark side principles, let's start off with the light side, even though it comes second in this verse here, I'm going to start off talking about the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This would be the light side of the natural order, this would be in a perfect world This would just be reality. This is defining a perfect world. And so this is what the natural order should be, ideally. This is the ideal that you seek. There is no impurity in this if you just look at the light side. But we do see that we live in a world that has both the light and the dark. And so we live in a world that is not totally unleavened. We live in a world of leaven, and it describes what the old leaven is. The old leaven is leaven of malice and evil. These are things associated with the dark side of the natural order. And so the point here using this example, is that if you, as a person in line with the light side, start letting in some of these dark side principles into your decision making, into your actions, and into your life, then that can ruin you as a whole. You will no longer be in line with the light side. And it's not just that Having, you know, one thing in your life that's uh, totally in line with the dark side that you actively seek after through your own free will choice, and that's something that you do on a regular basis and you're dedicated to, even if you just have one thing like that, then you're not in line with the light side, and that's the point. A little bit of leaven leavens the whole loaf. And so the idea here is not that you never do anything wrong, it's that your overall direction and decision for your life, your overall action and the fruit of your life, overall, this should be all in line with the natural order. How you make your decisions, what actions you perform, the fruit that you see in your life, all of these should be in line with the light side of the natural order. If there are dark side things that creep in, some leaven that tries to get in, It should be some random thing that is temporary that you deal with and you expel, and it is no longer there. That is the ideal. That's what you try to seek. And you won't always be able to get the ideal, as we have talked about. But that is what you are seeking. You are seeking to be totally unleavened. And so you seek to follow totally in line with the light side of the natural order, to be the light, and not to be associated with darkness. Now there's an interesting stipulation that he makes here and he says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters since you would need to go out of the world. And so the point here is that he has told them before not to deal with people that are part of the dark side of the natural order and you shouldn't. Even associate with those people. And he's clarifying here that what he meant by that and where he was going with that in the proper context of that was within the church. And so he is writing to a church in Corinth, and there was a specific example of sexual immorality that occurred within that church, and he was calling that out and saying that you shouldn't even associate with such a person. And if you remember in the previous set of verses, it talks about how, you know, the things that are done in the darkness that are hidden are shameful and that you should expose that. Well, that's what he was doing in this previous example that he is alluding to. He was exposing this thing that was occurring within the church and saying, you shouldn't have anything to do with this person. He shouldn't be a part of your institution that is totally in line with the light side it's unleavened and you're letting the leaven in get rid of it but he does clarify that he's not saying don't have anything to do with anyone in the world that does dark side things like that's not the point he says you know if that were the case then you would need to go out of the world but we're not supposed to be out of the world. We're supposed to be in the world. We're supposed to be light for the world. We're supposed to be interacting with the people of the world. So he is clarifying here that he says, I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of any of these sins and any of these dark side principles. So, It's not that you don't associate with anyone at all in the world that is not totally in line with the light side and has not made that choice to be completely loyal to the light side, to the Lord. Um, Instead, he's saying that if someone has the name of brother, if someone says that they are in line with the light side of the order, if they say that they are part of the church— if that is what they say out loud, so that is an action that they are doing, they are stating this that, hey, I am a part of this. I am loyal to the light side. They have made that claim. They have done it publicly and openly. They are trying to associate as being that. But when you look at their actions, when you look at their fruit, it is obvious they are not what they claim to be. Those are the people you shouldn't even associate with. So uh, the example here was one where they kicked the person out of the church. And the idea was not to be cruel to the person. The idea was that hopefully when you excommunicate this person, when you kick them out of the church, and not only that, no one in the church should have anything to do with that person, because they were a complete hypocrite. Now, all Christians should be hypocrites, because none of us are perfect, and yet we say we are trying to be perfect and fall in line with the ideal, but we're not, so there's always this aspect of being hypocritical, but that shouldn't be a lifestyle choice. And so, With this being the case with this person and this example, that was a lifestyle choice for them, even though it was clearly against what uh, it meant to be a part of the church and to be a part of the light. That person, he still would not get rid of that and would not change his ways. So that's why he was expelled with the hope of him then changing his ways and coming back and being reunited. And that was the overall goal because we do want people to come in line with the light. We are to be the light for them. We are to be an example. We are to lead people and guide people. We are to be an example up on a hill. That's the point. And so... If there is someone who is saying, hey, I'm a light, I'm like you guys, you know, I'm this example to the world, but they're living something against that, then that person should be a person that you have no association with. You should have nothing to do with that kind of person. But again... Just because there are plenty of people in the world, the majority of the people in the world, who are in line with some of these dark side principles, it doesn't mean you don't have to do with anybody, anything to do with anybody. That doesn't mean that you exclude yourself as this random community out in the woods that has nothing to do with the world. No. What it's just saying is that you shouldn't associate with people that claim to be part of the light, but obviously are not according to their actions and their fruit. That's the point. And he clarifies this by saying, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So the point is that we, as people in line with the natural order, it's our job to make sure that those of us in our community— who say they are in line with these light side principles, we need to make sure that they really are. We're not going to let someone be a part of this community, make that claim, represent the light side, and represent us if they are contradicting that by actively pursuing dark side things. And so this is why you kick someone out. You judge those person. That, that's your role as a community is to judge those within that community to keep that community pure so that you don't have a little bit of leaven in your loaf, in your community, because it ruins the whole thing. And so that's the point here. But it's not the outside. He says, for what do I have to do with judging outsiders? God judges those outside. So again, the rest of the world, people that do not claim to fall in line with the light side principles, well, why would you judge them according to the light side principles? And what right do you have to do so when they don't even say that they follow them? So, you know, they're living in line with what they say they're living in line with. And so, you know, so be it. That's their choice. We all have free will. And that's the point and God is the one that can judge those things not us that is not our role the final verse that i will cover will be second corinthians chapter 6 verse well chapter 6 verse 14 through chapter 7 verse 1 it says do not yoke yourselves together in a team with unbelievers for how can righteousness and lawlessness be partners what fellowship does light have with darkness what harmony can there be between the messiah and baal What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement can there be between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will house myself in them, and I will walk among you. I will be their God, and they will be my people." Therefore, Adonai says, go out from their midst, separate yourselves, don't even touch what is unclean, then I myself will receive you. In fact, I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says Adonai. Therefore, my dear friends, since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves from everything that can defile either body or spirit, and strive to be completely holy out of reverence for God. And so... What's being said here is bringing out this point a little more about not associating with the darkness. We've already talked about not being involved in anything dark and even expelling and not even associating with someone that says they're part of the light, but instead are acting according to the darkness. And this is just solidifying that even more. Do not yoke yourself together in a team of unbelievers. And so the idea here is that you're not supposed to become partners. That's the next example. How can how can righteousness and lawlessness be partners? What fellowship does light have with darkness? What harmony can there be between the Messiah and Baal? So it's these action words. It's about yoking yourself. It's about being partners. It's about fellowshipping. It's about having harmony. You can't have these things. What agreement can there be between the temple of God and idols? There, there can be no agreement. There can be no fellowship. There can be no harmony. There can be no partnership here that is any good between the light and the dark. These are two totally separate things. They're mutually exclusive. By definition, free will is having the choice to choose two mutually exclusive options. Those options are the light and the dark. You can't have both. A little leaven leavens the whole loaf. So you can't even have a small bit of one with the other. It, it ruins the whole thing. That makes the decision. And so that's kind of the point here is that it's not, again, it's not that you don't have any friends that aren't totally in line with these light side principles and haven't dedicated themselves to this, haven't given their allegiance and loyalty to following this path. That's not what it's saying. But what it's saying is that you shouldn't yoke yourself with these people. You shouldn't be bound in some sort of extremely committed relationship with people that are not walking the path of light with people that are walking a path of darkness. That is not something that is going to have a lot of harmony or agreement. That is not a good partnership to be in. Um, These are the words that are used here. And so that's really the point here. And then when it quotes the Old Testament, it does specifically say, go out from their midst, separate yourselves, don't even touch what is unclean, then I myself will receive you. And so the point here is that you should be separate. You are the light. You are separate and different than the dark. And if you are separate, and if that is a true statement, you have made your free will choice to be a part of the path of light, then God says he will receive you. You will be accepted. He will be your father. You will be his sons and daughters. And so what it says here at the end, the conclusion is that Therefore, my dear friends, since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves from everything that can defile either body or spirit and strive to be completely holy out of reverence for God. And so again, we are striving for the ideal. That is the idea of being completely holy. You're purifying yourself from everything that can defile And so this idea of expelling any leaven that starts to come in, and there will be leaven that starts to come in. Again, Christians are all hypocrites because we all do sin. None of us meet the ideal. We are not perfect. And so the point is that we then purify ourselves as these impurities start to come in. As this leaven starts to come in, you expel that. You get rid of it because you cannot have these things and still be pure. You can't have leaven and still be unleavened. That's just it. It's not the way things work. You can't be part of the light and completely dedicated to the light, totally in line with it and have some darkness like that. It just doesn't work. Hopefully that's very obvious here. And so... One other thing to clarify is it says um, to purify ourselves from everything that can defile either body or spirit. So it's both things. There are some things that incorporate both, and sexual immorality, sexual sins, is something that is pointed out over and over again biblically as being extremely important, and there are places where it specifically says because it has to do with the body and the spirit. It combines the two. And so that is something that is not only a sin of the spirit, but it's also a sin of the body, but we can look at an example of something like health. Like if you are completely unhealthy, say very overweight and you eat junk food for every meal and you're always eating ice cream every night and all these different things, you know, it's not just one thing, but if overall your life is one such that you are living in a very unhealthy manner, that's something that is defiling your body. That is something that is against the light side of the natural order. The light side is about life it is about sacrifice. You should be sacrificing your desire for ice cream every night in exchange for having more life and having life abundantly. That is the light side. And the dark side is the opposite of that. It's a perversion of that. The dark side has to do with death. And what happens when you're extremely unhealthy? You die. And you die much sooner. And you die of oftentimes, avoidable things. So uh, that's kind of the point here. And there are plenty of things that have to do with the body. One of the seven deadly sins is gluttony. So, uh, you know, there's your example. But there are also things that have to do with the spirit. And according to Yeshua with Sermon on the Mount, he talks about how these issues, these more internal issues, are actually more important, that those are the point, that there are these laws and these rules and these principles that have to do with our physical world and how we live among each other. But the more important point is the principle behind those things that have to do with the internal state of your spirit. And this is another aspect. You can be defiled in body, but you can be perfectly healthy, totally in line with all the light side principles according to your physical state, but still be completely corrupt and dark inside in the internal state. And so we need to focus on both. We need to be pure In both places, body and spirit, strive for the ideal, strive to be completely holy out of reverence for God. So um, if we are looking at this uh, from the natural order perspective, you strive to be completely in line with the natural order out of a reverence for that order itself. And that is the idea here. So I think that does really bring us to what we'll be covering in the next episode. That should be the Agorism episode. I think I yeah, yeah, I think I've covered all of the things. And so in the next episode we'll talk about how to actually apply these things a little more. So, I talked about some overall concepts and topics in the previous episode about, well, how would you judge something like abortion or war or environmentalism? How would you look at these things through the framework of the natural order as I had laid it out? And so, again, those are more topical conceptual that kind of stuff but still fairly practical you still do encounter these things you need to make these decisions and you need to have a reason there needs to be meaning for why you take the stance that you take but to get even more practical We are going into agorism, and so we are going from that, from the conceptual, to the physical reality of how we act within our society, and that was one of the points of many of these verses that I covered here, was that it's about action, that being in line with the light is not something that is just this choice that you make. It's not a decision in your head. It's not this loyalty within your spirit. It's spirit and body. It is action and it is fruit. So that is what you should be striving for. That is what you should be doing. You should be acting in a way in line. You should be the light for the world, not just a light in the world, a light for the world. You should be actively involved with Promoting the light side of the natural order. That is your meaning as a human being. And so we'll talk about how do you do that within the context of this gray world that we live in, within this world that is full of darkness, with these institutions that are completely in line with the dark side of the natural order. So how would you be involved with these institutions? Because oftentimes we have to be while still trying to strive for this ideal of only having to do with the light side of the natural order, only being joined and having actions associated with the light side. And that is kind of the role of agorism. That is why we are looking at the early church as a historical example of how to live and act within a culture and within a government within this whole milieu that is against everything that you believe in. If you are surrounded by darkness, how practically do you be the light without just Being extinguished right away. There are ways of doing so. The early church proved that historically. We have these biblical principles and examples, this wisdom that we can draw from as well. And we have these more modern philosophies of things like agorism, of bringing in some modern parallels to an ideology that is very similar in some ways. And those are the ways that we are focusing on here. And so, that's what we'll do in the next episode. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for any reviews or ratings that you've left since I have looked last. I greatly appreciate that. I was thinking today about some of the interviews that I've done over the past, eh, I guess, few months that I haven't really updated on the website or anywhere else, really. I'm not sure if I've updated all of them on the Patreon page. So I need to look into that and I will try to do so in the relatively near future. I have been on multiple other podcasts recently and some of those are pretty good interviews. So I'll try to get those out to you as well and make sure that you have a link for that. If you have any further things that you want to know about, you can peruse the website. That would be ourfoundations.podbean.com. There's obviously a link to that in the show notes. But then you can also email me directly, would be my ideal, would be to have direct communication here. And that would be our foundations at protonmail.com. And I have received a few uh, guest recommendations. And um, unfortunately, at this point in my podcast, in this season, I'm not going to be doing any interviews anytime very soon. At least I don't think I will be. There are some that I think would fit fairly well. But just within the uh, structure and the outline that I have for this season, it would be a while before I get to them, even though there are plenty that would be very relevant to this information. And maybe I'll get to those at the end of the season. We'll see. And so I, I do appreciate recommendations and please feel free to send them in. If you know somebody that would be a really good guest um, that seems to click with a lot of the things that we discuss and you think that would be a very enlightening discussion, then please send me the recommendation. I might not do it, but I still would like to have it. And I do enjoy branching out some. So thank you. I have also received some feedback on this newest season, on season three, and I have been wanting that specifically just because it is different than the first two season, It's definitely getting into this religious content. I mean, this whole episode was basically commentary on scripture, and yet, this is not a religious podcast, so to say. Uh, but necessarily, if you're looking at a historical example of a religious movement, then, well, you talk about their theology and their beliefs, and you go to their scriptures, and that's what we're doing here. And so I've gotten some actually very positive feedback about this season so far, so that is definitely encouraging, but I would like to continue to receive feedback on these newer episodes as uh, things are a little different than they have been before. And if you would like to be more involved with this show and the direct, it goes then definitely consider visiting the patreon page or the subscribe star page or checking out the cryptocurrency addresses that I have and you can support the show financially part of doing so is that you can get some perks of requesting topics or questions to be addressed on the podcast and I definitely try to put priority on people that are financial supporters as far as things that they request and so as a whole, if you are a supporter and you request something specific, I do try very hard to make sure that that happens. There are also some perks of getting some cool merchandise if that's something you're into. If you are a supporter at the uh, step up level, there's two levels there. So please feel free to check that out if you want to. This podcast is free. I originally was paying for everything out of my own pocket and doing it all myself. I do not plan on making a bunch of money from this at all by any means. But it has gotten to the point where I can, at least, pay for everything associated with the podcast and that's kind of expanded to an audible subscription and buying the books that I read for the research and things like that so that's been great because those are very expensive as you start getting dozens and dozens of different books and some of them are older and some of them are uh, definitely a little more esteemed and people are very proud of them and they want more money for them so um, things like that are uh, it's, it's very helpful when I know that I have people that are giving money that are financially supporting the show so that I don't have to go out of pocket for all of these things. I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate that. I really do. It's very encouraging thank you very much. I am going to end this episode here. So please come back next time as we get into agorism from this perspective of, I guess, a kingdom of God approach, the path of light. And I think it will be extremely interesting and applicable. And hopefully it will be something you will enjoy as much as I enjoy getting into it. So until then, I'm out. Peace. This has been Our Foundations Podcast. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye-bye.